When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. Happy Thanksgiving week to our United States listeners. Our staff is getting ready to enjoy a few extra days off of work to spend time with our family and friends while eating delicious food. I got put in charge of dessert this year, uh, so I'm busy making a bunch of pies to share with everyone. And then I'm definitely planning to spend some time sewing over the weekend. Uh, I have one more Christmas quilt to finish up so that I can start snuggling under it while I watch my Hallmark Christmas movies at night. So I'm looking forward to having the time to finish that. But we thought it would be a fun way to celebrate the start of Thanksgiving week by sharing the quilty things we're grateful for. So I'll go first. I couldn't be on the show uh, talking about what I'm grateful for without thanking our listeners. You show up week after week to spend your precious time with us, and that means the world to me. Um, I love getting your emails your feedback, your questions, your photos. It always brightens my day to hear from you and know that so many quilters are coming together each week to learn and engage and just join our community. And I'm, I'm so thankful to my coworkers for showing up week after week too to help produce the most amazing podcast shows. I'm always impressed by their knowledge and their passion for quilting and I am constantly learning from them and just feeling inspired by everything they share. And just in general, the last few years, I've been incredibly thankful for the creative outlet that quilting provides me, especially as we were quarantined and spending a lot more time at home. I, I just felt so blessed to have the time and the resources to sew and to also have a hobby that provided comfort um, and in some cases, a distraction um, to kind of get through everything that was happening in the world. So quilting and the quilting community really helped me through. Now, let's hear from the rest of our staff. Hi, I'm Joanna, and I'm the editor of Quilts and More magazine. This Thanksgiving and holiday season, I'm so thankful for all the nice notes and messages I receive from our readers. I'm pretty sure last year I also said I was thankful for our readers, but it's just as true in 2021 as it was in 2020. I don't think it will come as a surprise to anyone that this year has been especially challenging for many. There's still a lot of change and uncertainty in the world and in daily life, and it can get draining. So when I get unexpected notes from readers saying things like, Quilts and More helped me get through the pandemic, or I started sewing during lockdown and your editor's letter encouraged me to try such and such project, it really brightens my day. What makes it even better is that sometimes the stories that resonated with readers were the ones that were a struggle for me to write or had delays or almost got cut from the issue for a variety of reasons. 
You don't often get to see the ripple effect of how the things you do in the moment affect people later on. I've been privileged enough to see some of that throughout this year, and it made a difference for me too when I was feeling discouraged. I would add each note to my bulletin board, and sometimes I'd leaf through them again and smile. Perhaps I'm just sentimental, but in a way I connected with those readers that I would never physically meet over our love of quilting and our use of our hobby to get through hard times. And that's pretty amazing when you think about it. Sadly, I don't get a chance to answer everyone who writes in, but I hope they're listening in and hear this right now, because I want to say thank you to them and to you, our listeners, as well. Your kind words, small as they might seem, mean a lot. This is Doris Brunette, the editor of Quilt Sampler magazine. I'm thankful for a lot of things when it comes to quilting, but most recently, I'm grateful for the ability to bless people with the gift of a quilt, particularly when there is little else I can do to help them or comfort them. A woman I knew from my previous job lost her young daughter suddenly and unexpectedly last year. One can only imagine the pain of losing a child, and while I supported her in her grief, I felt helpless as to what I could do to let her know how much I cared. I reached out to her a few months after her little girl passed to let her know I would be honored to make a memory quilt with her daughter's clothing when she was ready, if she would like one. She immediately responded that she would love a memory quilt, but it took her about six months more to sort through the clothing and get it to me. She brought me a huge box of clothing, everything from footed pajamas to adorable little swimsuits. I ended up making two quilts for her, one a soft cuddly throw for the upcoming winter months since we live in the Midwest, made from her fleece jammies, sweatshirts, and pants. The second quilt included t-shirt fronts, lace details, pockets from her little jeans and poplin shorts, buttons, and applique butterflies cut from several pieces of clothing that were too small to cut a block from. I delivered them to the grieving mother shortly after the one-year anniversary of her daughter's death. Those two quilts reminded her that she's not alone in her grief, that friends and family have not forgotten her daughter or her terrific loss. It gave me peace to use my quilting skills and artistic ability to give a grieving mama a big dose of care and comfort. Hi, I'm Allison, the designer of Quilts and More magazine. This year, I'm thankful for my long arm quilter. I've made a lot of quilts in the past year, some of which I've quilted myself on my domestic machine. After quilting several throws using straight lines, I decided to give my shoulders and my sanity a break. Because of various circumstances, I didn't have a go-to long armor, so I reached out to a fellow quilter to get recommendations. She suggested Kristen Lee of Mash Modern, who is only about 30 minutes away from where I live. Kristen has quilted several projects for me this year, and I actually have another ready to give to her. I can't say enough good things about working with her. To start with, her intake form is so easy to use and asks the right questions. Second, the quality of the quilting is spectacular. I, I wouldn't say I'd, I've ever had a bad experience with a long arm quilter, but sometimes you can just kind of tell when the tension wasn't quite right or maybe the fabric wasn't you know flat enough. And I've not experienced any of those issues with Kristen's quilting. It's very clear that she loves what she does and wants her customers to have beautiful finished projects. I'm so thankful that Kristen was recommended to me 
and now I have a local go-to long arm quilter. So if you want to check out her work and maybe even hire her to quilt one of your projects, you can go to her website, mashmodern.com. Mash is spelled M-A-S-H-E. And in case you're wondering, Mash is not her last name, which is what I thought for the longest time. And it's in fact the initials of each of her five kids' names. So just to save you from um, making the same mistake I did. Um, and when you go to her website, she also sells fabric. So um, another great reason to check out her website. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Stumbo. And this fall, I am reminded about how grateful I am to have family members that are also quilters. Um, we typically get together twice a year on my mom's side of the family to have uh, two fall quilt retreats together. And we usually meet in the fall and the spring. Now, however, because of the pandemic, we haven't met in the last year and a half. But this fall, we decided to go ahead with our quilt retreat, and it was such a good weekend. We met a couple of weekends ago, and we rented a small cabin in uh, Swan Lake in uh, Carroll County of Iowa. And we just had such a good time together. We had about 12 uh, family members there. And we had everyone from my grandmother, my great aunt, my aunts, my cousins, uh, my mom, myself. And then we also had some second cousins that came. And two of them I had never met before. So that was really exciting that they were able to join us and that they were also interested in learning how to quilt. So we just had such a good weekend. It was a beautiful fall weekend. The weather was beautiful. Uh, we had lots of good snacks, of course, and we enjoyed uh, views of the little lake while we ate our lunches outside. And the rest of the time, we just quilted, quilted, quilted. And uh, there was a group of us that stayed up until about uh, almost 1 a.m. each night uh, quilting. And we just had so much laughter and so much fun. Um, it was really great to also have some cousins there that were learning how to quilt for the first time that were beginners. So we really had like the whole range of quilters from people that have been quilting for most of their life that were super experienced that could share their tips and tricks with the others um, to some that were making their very first quilt. Um, it was just a really great weekend. And of course, we had some fun time um, mixed in there too. We did some sightseeing. There's a Templeton Rye Distillery um, in the area. So we took a break on the second day of our retreat to go do a little museum tour and a little tasting of the whiskeys. And it was such a fun outing. And overall, I'm just so grateful for that weekend and that we all share this hobby of quilting that just brings us all together and uh, gives us a reason to spend uh, an entire weekend just creating and quilting together. I'm Jody Sanders with American Patchwork and Quilting. And today I want to talk about how thankful I am for our quilting industry partners. These include designers that send their submissions and allow us to showcase their quilts and projects in our magazines and online. Fabric companies that share fabrics with us to make color options. Sewing machine companies that loan us machines to use in our crafts lab. Those advertisers who continue to support our magazines and our online efforts. I'm thankful for those entrepreneurs who send us products to test to possibly feature in our magazines and online. I'm thankful for people who are guests on the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast and to quilt shops who are featured in the Quilt Sampler magazine. 
And finally, to those that do an IG takeover on our American Patchwork and Quilting Instagram account. Normally, we get to see our industry partners at the twice-yearly industry trade show quilt market. But due to the pandemic, we haven't met in person since October of 2019. I consider many of these people friends and I look forward to seeing them and hearing about their new ideas and products. I look forward to the time when we can meet again in person to share our passion for the quilting industry. Hey, it's Lindsay. Thanks to all my coworkers for sharing what they're thankful for. And I'd love to hear from our listeners, so please shoot me an email at apqpodcast at meredith.com. I'll list it in the show notes and tell me what you're thankful for. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're chatting with the one and only Jenny Down of Missouri Star Quilt Company. Welcome back. I'm handing the mic over to Jody Sanders, the editor of American Patchwork and Quilting, for her chat with Jenny Down. Most of you recognize Jenny as the founder of Missouri Star Quilt Company, as well as a famous YouTube personality and now author. Her new book, How to Stitch an American Dream, a story of family, faith, and the power of giving, just came out last month. We're so excited to hear more about it. Take it away, Jody. This is Jody Sanders, editor of American Patchwork and Quilting. And today I'm joined by Jenny Doan, founder of the Missouri Star Quilt Company. We're going to talk about Jenny's book, How to Stitch an American Dream, a story of family, faith, and the power of giving. Welcome, Jenny. Hi, thanks for having me. So I think um, people feel like they know you pretty well because they've seen you on the YouTube videos and in person at the many events that you do. But I think that there's some things that people are going to learn about you after reading the book. And I'm just wondering why you decided to include some of the more personal stories, maybe especially those that you haven't talked about publicly, publicly before. Well, I just, um, I honestly don't know why everything that's in the book is in the book. I just know that I, um, I began telling a story and that's kind of how it worked out. One of the things that I'm really, uh, I feel really strongly about and have just realized kind of at the end of the book is that my mother just turned 89 and I would love to have had a record of her life. You know, from her perspective, your children see you during this 20 year period and that's that's you know that's really the only time they really spend every day with you and uh now that i've written this down my children will have a record of that and the life that was before our children we don't generally spend a lot of time talking about and so they don't know a lot of that what made you you and so i just felt like as i was putting this all together it's just kind of how it worked out and i honestly think that um there are more people that share the same struggles than we realize i think that's true kind of across the board um, you kind of mentioned your earlier yeah. life a little bit, maybe about what your kids didn't know. And because your business is called Missouri Star Quilt Company, and you're so identified with Hamilton, Missouri, people may not know your connection to California. And you were in California until you were almost 40, right? Yeah, so I was born in San Luis Obispo. My dad was in college out there. And then we raised our family in the Salinas Valley. Um, uh, and we when we moved out to Missouri, um, 
it was 1995. So I was 37. And uh, yeah, so it, it was a it was a big change. You know, we had this plan. Well, we thought we could search for a better life, an easier place to live somewhere. You know, it's hard to have seven children and live in California on a mechanic's salary. And so we thought if we could get to some place where it would be easier to live, you know, that it that it might benefit our family. And, you know, we always do the bottom line. And so our thought was, if it doesn't work out, it's just like a really nice vacation and we'll go back and start over there, you know. But it worked out great. Within a couple of days, literally, I felt like I belonged here. You know, I've always felt kind of like an oddball in California. I had a bunch of kids. Um, I like to garden. I like to can. I like to sew. And, you know, it, I just wasn't the norm in California. And when I moved to Missouri, not only did I fit in, but I felt like I was a slacker. You know, everybody had more kids. They had gardens in their front yard. They grew things I'd never heard of. You know, I mean, it was just like, it was amazing to to be in this culture and oh man i just love it we, we fell in love with it right away we've never looked back however at least once a week we look at each other and go hmm where do we live <laughs> so you see some you see difference a different way of life in the midwest <laughs> yeah and and the reason i kind of bring that up when i was reading the book too is that um i grew up in lompoc california which is north of santa barbara um in the 70s um and i uh, love my long hair i love tie-dye i love color um i grew up in a place where it was flower capital here in iowa it's corn and beans and where i lived in california it was flower fields um as far as the i could see and so i feel like that that sort of also impacted the way that um that i you know view color and i view um some of the things that i do and i just was curious if you thought you're you know, all that time that you spent in California, if that somehow affected. But I think it's really interesting how you say you just kind of fit right in in the Midwest and, um, you know, feel really comfortable there. I think that's great. One thing I want to talk about um, that we both also have in common is 4-H. And I read in your book that you uh, were in 4-H when you were younger. Um, I happen to be a charter member of the Storm Lake Lucky Lakers 4-H club. Uh, do you remember the name of your 4-H club by any chance? I think it was Buena Vista 4-H. Okay, okay. And that's interesting because Storm Lake is in Iowa where then my family moved and our county is Buena Vista County where I grew up. So oh, interesting connection there. Um, for me, one of the things that 4-H taught me was to be comfortable speaking in front of a group. I was painfully shy. Um, and truth be told, I probably still prefer to be an observer rather than the center of attention. But what did 4-H teach you? So I was never painfully shy, but <laughs> still am not painfully shy. I'm like out there all the time. Um, but what 4-H taught me, so I was actually sewing things and making things and putting things together way before 4-H. And I think for that was the reason that my mom had me join 4-H was because she did not have, she didn't know how to sew. She didn't know any of those things and I craved them. And so um, they had me join 4-H. The other thing that was a benefit for me is that, is that when I was in the sixth grade, I was five foot eight and I grew a couple more inches in high school, but um, I was so tall already that we really couldn't find clothing that, was, that fit me great. And so I was able to make my own clothing. For me, it taught, it taught me about confidence. It taught me that, that you start here and you move forward, that you don't just you don't just join knowing, you know, you don't just quilt knowing how to make a Mariner's star, that you start with a square and you work forward. And so I've had that mentality all along of being able to, to you know, go from this place to there. It also taught me um, compassion and understanding for 
uh, you know, for people who didn't get it right away, you know, I'm one of those kind of overachiever people that just was like, oh yeah, I got this and I'm off on a Zoom, you know. But, I, you know, I watched their patients as they sat. They were all like um, grandmothers to me, you know, they were, they, they just, and you watch them, you know, taking care of each student and making sure everybody has something. You know, when we took a cooking class, we, we didn't, it was always in somebody's house, in somebody's kitchen, you know, and they would show you things that they made and, um, I still love some of those things I learned to make in those cooking classes. And those were all things I think, I think my mom didn't have a lot of patience for that. And I think the, the benefit was that she recognized that. And so she, you know, helped me go to a group where I could, uh, I could do it. It also, the other thing it taught me is that nothing was out of reach. So there was anything that I wanted to learn, there was a class on. And if I just took a class, you know, everything's a learned skill. And if I just took a class, I could learn how to make a lampshade or I could learn how to make a bulletin board or, you know, I loved all the, the opportunity of all the different classes. I loved that. And I think for me also, just you mentioned about doing things step by step and not just jumping in the middle that, you know, we did have to do process and we had to write out how we did things. And it's amazing to me now, you know, 40 years later, 45 years later, here I am the editor of a magazine, you know, with of quilting magazine, where it's so important that each step and each part and each measurement is so important. And that that was a skill that I was taught, you know, 45 years ago when I was first learning how to do those kinds of things. So um, it's just amazing. And I have great fond memories of my my time in 4-H and it's always fun to see the former 4-Hers out there um, and the things that folks are doing now. Um, in your book you tell a story about a customer who you know was kind of grouchy, treated your staff poorly, um, but you encouraged them to treat her with kindness and grace, um, to engage her in conversation. She'd come in several times, complained about some of the inventory, wasn't real happy about things, but she came in one time and um, she kind of shared with you a health situation that she was having and you got up and hugged her and you showed her grace and kindness that she probably knew she didn't deserve. Um, you encourage your employees to be kind even when the customers aren't. Where do you think that comes from? So I think that um, uh, early on, I realized that uh, People have a certain magic. There's certain things they love to do. You know, I have this house full of children and I literally thought they would all be like me and they're all different, you know, and they all have different strengths and they all have different weaknesses. And I think it's the same with uh, with everybody in the world and even with our employees. And so people will say to me, oh, I'm going to open a quilt shop. You know, do you have any advice for me? And I said, my number one advice is be nice. The most shops close, the number one reason shops close is because they're not nice. And I said, so your people who can do this with a big smile all day long, those are the people you want in your shops. And I think that I had a friend who um, who had Dairy Queens and I asked her about hiring and she was the one who said, you know, there are people who can be at the drive through window all day long. And then there are people who you just want cutting your vegetables in the back. Everybody has a purpose, but you just have to find out what it is. Well, um, the customer facing people, I think that's really important. Also, I think, I really believe that a smile can change a person's day. You know, a kind word can change, uh, you know, can change a day for them, can change a moment. And I don't, and where I'm one of those people who's really buoyant, not everybody has that. But when you come across someone who isn't buoyant and you're kind to them, then it makes their day as well. And, um, and so I've always been one of those people who, um, uh, you know, takes full advantage of the gratitude factor. And the more grateful I can be, 
regardless of the circumstance, you know, look for the bright side. And I, I have a little bit of a Pollyanna. Well, I have a lot of a Pollyanna personality anyway, you know, but um, I think that that's a choice. Again, you know, you can choose to be, you know, the woe is me and unhappy, or you can say, for me, it comes naturally, but for some people, they're just going to have to say, you know what, look at, I have a nice house. I have clothes on my back. I have a vehicle, you know, whatever it is, there's always going to be somebody better off. There's always going to be somebody worse off. But I think that, um, I think that it can make a difference in a person's life if you're kind to them. For sure. Even if they're not kind back. Right. Right. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. There were times when I laughed out loud. Um, like the time you took a selfie with a spouse who was waiting outside one of the shops and he didn't recognize you, but you had him text the photo of the two of you to his wife. And of course she instantly came running out of the shop she was in, um, much to his surprise. And he was kind of like, you know, who are you? Why is my wife so excited? And she, of course, you know, informed him. You? Who you were. But <laughs> I could see that scene repeating itself many times in Hamilton. And I'm sure, you know, it was just one of those times where I could visualize you actually doing this with somebody and the woman coming out and, and, and seeing it. It just made me laugh out loud. But, you know, I also had some times where I cried when I read the book. And I'm curious um, the reaction that, that you've gotten from those that have read the book so far. So interestingly enough, the things that are hard in our lives, we don't really speak about. And I had to read this book aloud for Audible. And so I'm in a room by myself, a sound room, and the door is closed. And I am speaking words out loud that I have maybe never spoken or not spoken for years. And it, it caused me to choke up. And, you know, the guy's like, all right, you got to stop reading. Now you sound all nasally, you know. But it was, it's interesting because... I think for most of us, those wounds in our life, you know, those things we keep hidden from the world. And it's only when we uh, share them and openly share them that you're rallied around by people who have the same wounds. And we and we all have an understanding and we all know, you know, life isn't perfect for us. We sit on our bed at 13 and we plan everything out and it rarely works out the way we planned. And so um, for me, uh, being able to share some of those things. Um, it was it was super emotional and it felt incredibly vulnerable. And um, and I I I actually, you know, where I felt led to to include certain things. I also would be like, I, I questioned myself, do I have to do this? You know, is this you know, and it was just it just felt like it was what I was supposed to do. And so I just always tend to go with my gut and my heart. And um, and I just I just went with it, you know, and. Uh, you know, even one of the kids said they read it and they're like, you don't have to do this. And I'm like, I just feel like I'm, I should, you know, I'm not the only one who's had a struggle and maybe it will offer somebody else peace to know that, you know, if they're in the middle of it, that you can come out the other side and, and be okay. You know, it just, sometimes it just takes that one person knowing that if you can do it, maybe I can do it. Hey, it's Lindsay. I'm so sorry to interrupt, but we have to take a quick ad break. We'll be back in just a minute with more from Jenny. Another quote that I love from the book is something that your mom told you. And she said, do the best you can and then be happy for those who can do it better. And I think what a great piece of advice that is for those of us who tend to get caught up in the competition of whatever your world is and always think that we have to do it the best. And if somebody else does it better, how do you know, whatever, but to say, do the best that you can and be happy for those that can do better. What a, what a great piece of advice that was. 
It was a wonderful piece of advice for me at the time. You know, there was some, uh, there, I, I was never the, the little blonde cheerleader type, you know, I was you know, five foot 10, you know, I, I uh, and there were, you know, every once in a while, girls would say mean things, just like that. And you come home from school just devastated. And my mom would say, here's, here's the deal, Jenny. You know, um, people are going to be mean. You know, you just do the best you can. But you got to be happy for people who can do it better. And that happened over and over in my life. And I found that I used it over and over with my children because my children were also different with each other. They also had that feeling of, um, uh, how come I can't do this as good as, you know, or how come they like her better than me? Or how come I'm like, you know what? You're a different person. You just do the best you can and be happy for somebody who can do it better. And so we've tried really hard to make that a thing in our life. You know, we are, we have, uh, we have uh, competitions in our family where we do things together, but it's never about being better than the other person. It's about doing the best you can. And if you get the prize, great. And we'll try something, you know, we'll work harder another time or we'll do it differently. But, um, you know, we're not like, uh, we don't ever believe that you have to lose for us to, to be successful. You know, one of the things we love in the industry is, uh, is great competitors. I mean, great competitors make you better. And we appreciate all the things that everybody does, that everybody brings to the table. Everybody brings something unique and different and amazing. And that, we don't, you don't find that um, in a lot of people. And so, um, that's always been it's always been a little sad for me when somebody feels the need to, you know, put me in my place or something like that, because I'm like, well, I'm really happy for what you've got. I would like it. You know, I'd like you to be happy for me, too. You know, it's just that. Share a story with you about my um, I've been a quilter for 33 years and my husband and I've been married for 35. So for almost all of our married life, I've been a quilter. He's gone to places we didn't have kids for eight years. And so it was just the two of us. And, you know, we, we were going to quilt shops and he was anyway, he has just enough information to be dangerous. And he feels like he can yeah. go in and kind of talk to quilt shops. And, you know, he, he knows he knows the lingo, which he does. But anyway, um, he oftentimes when he's out traveling for different things will stop in a quilt shop if he happens to see one and he'll send me messages like oh look at this cool fabric do you want some of this or and he'll always check to see if they have american patchwork and quilting quilt some more quilt sampler the magazines that we do and if they do have them he always thanks them and says thank you and when they kind of look at him kind of funny he's six two he's a big guy and they look at him kind of funny and they're like are you a quilter and he said no but this is my wife and he'll you know open the magazine and point to me. Well, he was in a store in Minnesota and um, the shop owner was um, getting ready to take a chartered bus full of her customers to Missouri Star. She chartered a bus to take her customers through Minnesota, through Iowa, and to Hamilton, Missouri, so that they could buy from Missouri Star. Now, to me, that's pretty amazing and also says something for the respect that they have. Well, it's the miracle on 34th Street, right? None of us can carry all the fabric. And that's the thing. People always say to me, oh, somebody else is opening a quilt shop in my town. And I said, you know, one shop in a town people might come to, but three shops, it's a road trip, you know? So you're all going to do different things. You're all going to carry different things. None of us can carry it all. There's so much stuff out there. None of us can carry it all. And so, you know, we're very fast to say, well, if we're out of that, go over here and get it. You know, I um, I was working on a quilt the other day and we were out of the border fabric. By the time I finished the quilt, we had no more fabric. And so I actually searched online and bought it, the last yard of fabric that quarter shop had, you know, and it, I just kind of chuckled thinking about, uh, you know, 
them seeing that name come through. And then I thought, well, the people who are shipping the fabric probably don't know who Jenny Doan is anyway, and it won't be, a, it won't be anything, but it's, you know, it's like, we just all want to finish our projects, but not everybody has everything. And I love to go to other quilt shops and I love to help boost their success. That's one of the, my favorite things in traveling is that, you know, if I, if I come in, if they know I'm coming into their shop, there will be, there will be people who show up, you know, and they will come and they will buy and they will, um, they will, you know, participate in that. And so I love that, that people do that. And we're a destination, you know, we're in the middle of nowhere. We're not your local quilt shop, but because we have an entire town, it's like an experience for people, you know? And so, so the, the shop owners, and it just makes them look better in their eyes. They're always going to go to brick and mortar first, always, you know, but you know, they're going to, again, they're going to come online if you're not nice to them, or you make them feel put out to put their, cut your fabric or something, you know, so there's that key of uh you know of just having that cheerful person in the front of your shop now for those i love who, that thank you who may not be aware um your business started out as a family run business and still a lot of the family members are involved um what do you think <clears throat> is the greatest joy um and also the biggest challenge so really two questions what's the greatest joy of having a family run business so it, it is the most joyful and the most stressful. You know, I work very hard. Uh, we all work very hard to um, to to keep functioning together as a family. We're very close as a family. You know, um, somebody asked me recently what my relationship with my siblings was, and I said, "Well, we don't. I don't see them very often." You know, but um, they said, "Well, that's normal. What you guys have, where you see each other and work with each other every day, that's not very normal." You know, but it is. Um, one of the things that's most joyful to me is because my children are so different, our company is large enough that it addresses all their loves. And so where Natalie, you know, Natalie is the editor of Block Magazine and, you know, and she does some design work and she gets to do things that stretch her brain. And Sarah loves the town and the construction and she runs a construction crew and she keeps the buildings going and she's over all the town stuff. And Alan is good on the computer. So he's over all the computer side of it. You know, they all get to do something that is in an area that they love. I also love that for our employees because, you know, if you want to uh, expand what you know. You have to be in a job. You know, we say you have to work in this area, whatever area you're in for six months. But then if you want to go try another area, we have everything. And so I love that for them as well. And my favorite thing, honestly, for our employees is we'll get, we'll get somebody in here, a kid in here, and they're like so tentative about, oh, nobody's probably going to hire me or whatever. Then we hire them and they work in the warehouse and then they see other things and, and they're able to go on and do other things. And then they, finally they have the confidence in their abilities. They're like, I want to go try this. And they will leave our company and go someplace else. And to me, that is like the hugest compliment because we've given them the confidence to be able to, to realize they have worth and value and they can do this and they go on. You know, of course, yes, I would love to have them stay. But, but you know, I love to see that growth in people. But it's probably, you know, the hardest thing probably about working with our family is just working working with our family. You know, you, you want to have a dinner conversation that doesn't involve what your work, but that's what we do. You know, we all do that together. And so we try really hard to do other interests and, um, you know, we're all very supportive of each other. We have a very large family. So I have 25 grandchildren and I have seven children, you know, and um, spouses. And, you know, so when we get together, which we get together for birthdays, we get together for, um, you know, 
whatever random events. You know, it used to be every Sunday, and you know, it's about forty people in my house. Uh, you know, at least, and um, and or in somebody's house. And you know, we just really enjoy each other's company. So by doing those types of things, it keeps us. It gives us other things to talk to as well. We're also very uh, driven people. And so um, I have several children that flip houses. I have, you know, um, Alan has other companies that he's started and involved in. And, you know, we all have other things that we do. And so it enables us to to talk about other things. But it, it is work. It's work. Well, I want to thank you for joining us today. And we kind of like to end these interviews with some uh, rapid fire questions. So I'm going to give you some phrases. It. And I want I want you to just kind of not think too hard. But um, first one, okay. favorite quilt block? Uh, probably churn dash. OK. Uh, favorite, <laughs> color, <laughs> favorite color combination? Blues and greens. Uh, favorite snack while quilting? Oh, anything salty. Favorite part of the quilting process? Seeing the secondary block come together. Uh, I if love you that. Aren't, if you aren't quilting, what would you be doing? Uh, reading or gardening or hiking. A place, <laughs> a place that you've never been that you would like to visit? Ireland. Okay, now here's, I'm gonna end on three, like this or this. So um, okay. the first one is quilt retreat with friends or sewing solo? Quilt retreat with friends. Um, are you a slow stitcher or a speed demon? Speed demon. <laughs> uh, do you bind by hand or bind by machine? By hand. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Jenny. And I want everybody to be on the lookout for Jenny's book, How to Stitch an American Dream, A Story of Family, Faith, and the Power of Giving. Thank you for having me, Jody, And I'm so glad you enjoyed the book. Hey, it's Lindsay. Thanks so much to Jody and Jenny for that amazing interview. Jenny has inspired many quilters around the world, so it's so meaningful that she's letting us into her life and sharing these stories with us. I just ordered my copy of her book, and I can't wait to dive into it during the holidays. It seems just like the heartwarming book that I love. We'll link to the book in the show notes so that you can grab your copy too. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And if you're celebrating, have a happy Thanksgiving. We'll chat with you all next week.